Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tip Off. I'm Simon and joining me this week is Arnav. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Simon. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Enjoying a lot of playoff basketball right now. And I've really enjoyed watching my Timberwolves actually be a part of it for the first time in four years, really. But what seems like really the first time in forever. Because if anyone knows anything about the Timberwolves, it's they're a pretty lackluster franchise over the last two decades, to say the least. I'd say we've been enjoying this series together because, as you know, we were at Game 4 together, and I can't believe the Timberwolves actually pulled it off, even though they gave up that wide-open look to Tyus to tie the game. Yep, that series is tied at 2-2, but I think that we should start with one of the bigger matchups going on in the East, you might say. Maybe a surprising uh, outcome so far for many people that were expecting a good series. But right now, the Brooklyn Nets and the Boston Celtics series stands at 3-0 as we're recording this. Uh, Brooklyn and Boston, what what's standing out to you in this series so far? So, you know me, and you know I'm the biggest Jason Tatum fan you'll ever meet. I think he's one of the best players in the league on both ends of the floor. But even I did not, even I didn't think this was going to be a 3-0 series. I was expecting the Celts to win either six or seven games. I'm hoping they can close it out at home tonight because they can't lose a game on the home floor, you know, with the crowd going crazy. I think Jason Tatum is unstoppable at the Garden, so... Yes, he's really good at home this season, and we've seen that Boston team really take off since January 1st. It's it's like statistically, even the eye test, visually, it's a different team starting the new year. And I really think Coach Ime Udoku has a lot to do with that. I think he got the guys to buy in somehow, which seemed impossible under Brad Stevens for some reason. And maybe it was some of the guys, you know, like Schroeder, for example. Like, that was a good move by Brad Stevens, you know, to get rid of him. And Coach Udoku probably did something that Brad Stevens would never do, which is make Marcus Smart the starting point guard and give him, like, primary ball handling responsibilities. And as a result of that, Marcus Smart's developed relationships with, you know, their senders like Robert Williams. Like, they're lobs. You know, it's six points every game that are going to be there. Because they have that connection. It has nothing to do with Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, who, who are constantly, you know, have the attention of the defense and have people trapping them, trying to get the ball out of their hands. Yeah, I think you made a really good point there um, when you brought up, like, the pads or how this team has really a transi- or changed into a completely different-looking team, even with the eye test. Um you go, dating back to last season we're not really high on the Celtics like we hinted at the beginning of this episode at the Timberwolves being a very lackluster uh, franchise over the last 20 years the Boston Celtics has been uh, basically the complete opposite of that always seem to be in the playoffs and always contending for a championship somehow some way somehow especially over the last uh six years we've seen them make multiple eastern conference finals appearances but they've just never been able to uh 
cross the line and uh, break through and get into the finals. But um, even back to those teams, it feel it felt like the vibe with that team, those teams weren't wasn't like as close as it was now. It kind of felt like, all right, you go do your thing, I'll do my thing on this possession, each possession, and like the team didn't really like seem like a team playing basketball. It felt more like, oh, we're we're, we're all capable of putting the ball in the basket, and they just relied on their scoring. We saw the transition to Emi Aduko in the coaching staff, becoming the uh, head coach. I feel like, like you say, he's definitely brought that team together and said, hey guys, this isn't go out and everyone have their individual efforts. Like if we swing this ball, get find the open shooter, kick it out, like you might have a layup, but there might be someone wide open in the corner which is probably might be a better shot. I feel like that's what the Celtics have like really snapped into beginning like halfway through the season. And that's the thing because once you start to kick it out, those shots actually start to fall. Like Grant Williams was a terrible shooter last year and this year he's shooting 40% from the corners. Like that's incredible to have a shooter, you know, he has a spot, he's gonna make that shot and on defense, he's a big body. Like, everyone sees Grant Williams' value on defense in this series, how he's been guarding Durant. Like, he's immovable. Durant's trying to post him up on low block. Can't move him. Jason Tatum comes over, trap, steal. How many, do you know how many turnovers Durant's averaging this series? Has to be, he has to be, like, a career hot. I'd say, like, six. I believe, I looked it up earlier, I believe it's seven. Um... Seven turnovers a game. The Nets do have the second most turnovers in the playoffs per game so far. It's only a three-game sample size, but they're averaging 17 turnovers per game in those three games. And a big reason why is because of that Celtics defense, who is averaging number one in steals per game. And we've seen, like you said, Grant Williams really hassling Durant, uh, Jason Tatum, Locking Kevin Durant down probably as good as we've seen anyone in his career. Like, this is probably the most we've seen Kevin Durant struggle with a defense. Probably in his career. Which is insane to say. Yeah. Because he's played some good defenses. Mm hmm. But 17 turnovers over three games, that's crazy. Yeah, so five, nearly six per game. Yeah. Which I, th I think it speaks volumes about the Celtics defense and how if they're really trying, you know, and communicating with each other, then they can make a difference. Because you know how they switch everything? They're only able to do that because Marcus Smart is their point guard. Defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart. I feel like he was, was really like the glue guy of the defense, per se. And I feel like the teams recognize that because I've heard both Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown saying post-game interviews of how this Celtics defense is hounding ball, ball handlers led by Defensive Player of the Year, Marcus Smart, even before he received the award. And they manifested that. They manifested beating the Nets. They didn't care who they were facing in the first round. They have a tough road to the playoffs, to the finals still. They have to play the Bucks. 
probably play Philly, and then probably end up playing either Phoenix or the Warriors. And on that uh, Tatum comment, how many times in the past would you say you've heard Tatum openly like praise Marcus Smart before this season? Like I feel like it a lot a lot before this year it's been more complaining like from both sides from Marcus both sides, Smart yeah. and Jason Tatum like they haven't seemed to really click together but we saw whatever happened like January once the calendar flipped mm-hmm. this year to 2022 that those two just began to click just like that whole team did and I think they all just began to realize their place on that team and how special that team can actually be if they can all fill a role fill their respective roles it's it's been amazing to watch the Celtics team and I I really hope that they can close the Nets out tonight and I hope they have a long playoff run yeah and you said that you thought that this uh series would go in the beginning you thought it would go six or seven I was also I thought it would go to seven I was leaning towards the Celtics taking it in seven but I think a big key in why I thought the series would go so long was because of the uh, Robert Williams injury and I did not think that the Celtics I thought they'd be able to perform well but not like Durant Kyrie being able to guard them well because like we said Marcus Smart was a big part of that defense uh Robert Williams is pretty much that defensive anchor like if anyone gets by you up top like that ball is either gonna get sent into the stands or snatched it's gonna be a tough tough uh finish for the defender if he can make it you know Rob Will was definitely has been a big and you saw you saw the difference you made last game. Definitely was a lot threat, you know, way more than Tyus. And definitely intimidator at the rim, for sure. Yeah, I feel like that was probably the biggest surprise to me in this series was how well Boston's defense was able to shut down the Nets offense without Robert Williams. Like we know that with Robert Williams that they'd probably have a better shot of doing it, but Doing that without Robert Williams was really eye-opening to me, and I think the Celtics are definitely a top-two contender in the East. For sure. Um, I think a lot of it is just your best player saying, I'm going to take the matchup on every possession and guard the other team's best player. Like, Durant, before Game 3, was 3 for 15 on possessions guarded by Tatum. Like, that's an extremely low percentage for Kevin Durant. Yeah, I saw that he had 10 points to 10 turnovers while being guarded by Tatum in the first three games, I believe. Yeah, which is... Inexcusable for a superstar. Yeah, but I'm not concerned about what, what it says about Durant. Let's talk about what it says about Tatum. Like, we already know that he can score because he's 42% off the dribble, shooting threes. He can finish at the rim. He is his mid-range game. He leads the league on in the left block, shooting jump shots. And this man is locking up potentially the greatest scorer of all time. Yeah, the growth we've seen from Tatum has really been remarkable. Like we really saw him become jump into one of those superstar caliber players, and 
become more consistent because that was the final thing with Tatum was that yeah he he could blast off for 30 points every so often but he'd still have those 15 15 point games on 13 shots and you still didn't feel as good about it but now the consistency's picked up and the defense like you said has picked up and we're really seeing a two-way threat that's only like 24 25 years old really coming into his own it's gonna be a scary next couple years for anyone in the east that has to go up against these boston celtics do you think that this is going to be a sweep oh yeah for sure like i said i don't think boston's losing any games at home this entire playoff run we'll see how that series plays out uh one more one more thing on the uh Brooklyn side of this was the Ben Simmons story we saw drop yesterday about how there was a lot of optimism that he'd be ready for game four and a lot of people were saying that he was going to be back and we've heard it multiple times this year already but I can't say I'm surprised yeah news broke yesterday that he will be out for game four due to some back soreness that came up again did you read Woj's report? It said there was back soreness and still a mental element that needed to be dealt with. If his mental element is the money that he got fined by Philadelphia, that money's never coming back, man. Like you were sitting on the bench the whole season, you didn't play, you're not getting paid for those games. I, I don't get it. Like, Simon, if you don't show up to work, do you get paid? Nope. Exactly. That's it. End of conversation. Yeah. I would it's just, like just it's just sad to see player of, of the year. player of his caliber that really has like brought a lot of hope to this organization after kind of the falling out with uh, James Harden they had after being the title favorites at the beginning of the year with him and then adding this three other pieces in Simmons, Seth Curry, and Andre Drummond that you thought would be able to build your team up to that championship level just as good as if you had James Harden and probably the biggest asset you got in that pe- in that trade is yet to play due to the fact that he doesn't want to I guess and back soreness like I just we've seen it too many times with him like at LSU with the Australian national team with Philly last or this season like he's just always been sitting out I it's just made me even more mad seeing him on the sidelines all dressed up dancing picking up rebounds at least look and this is a team that showed up for him like you can't play this is a team that showed up for him when they played Philadelphia yeah at, at Philadelphia yeah I, I just feel like he's not giving hundred percent to that work because there was there was speculation that he was going to play that game at philadelphia so this ben simmons return has basically been postponed for two seasons now and this man refuses to play basketball yeah it's like how'd you hurt your back you you've been doing nothing but sit on the bench you were talking about steve nash i think they should start charging ben simmons for that court sector yeah i mean i don't think he has a lot of money Due to some reports I've heard. <laughs> so he might not be able to afford that courtside ticket. 
No, I'm sure he's good. His girlfriend cover. Oh yeah, that's an injury that we've seen in this whole season. Sadly, we've also seen a couple other um, pretty major injuries throughout these playoffs. Which team do you think is most affected by their injury? So you got the Booker injury with mm-hmm. the Phoenix Suns, Chris Middleton with the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, yep. and then the Luka Doncic. We kind of seen him uh, come back from that, but he's still a little hobbled, not a hundred percent clearly. With his, I think they all have hamstring injury. Oh no, Middleton's got it. MCL issues, but who, which team do you think is most affected by their star player being injured? Um, I think I'm gonna say surprisingly the Phoenix Suns Because this series is tied at 2-2 and Devin Booker was really their best player and It's the only facet that they really needed him for is scoring because Everything else is what you know their team has their foundation has they have a point guard That's gonna get everyone the ball that Mikhail Bridges Defensive Player of the Year. They have and DeAndre Aiden. DeAndre Aiden, also a very good uh, defender. Kind of like we said with uh, Rob Williams, yep. being able to just dominant bigs that can rebound the ball well, block shots, and stay stay up on the perimeter. You know they don't have to drop, which is a skill that's necessary. Clearly, yep. And one of one of the more premium three and D guys in Jay Crowder also yep. very. Uh, and he's been pretty inconsistent in the playoffs throughout his playoff career, but we've seen him be a consistent knockdown shooter. For sure. Also, they also have Cam Johnson. Cam, who is... Which we both he, we both love. His game winner this season was incredible. Yeah, I like Cam Johnson a lot. But uh, he's sort of struggled in, the, in this series so far after being a top three defensive player of the year candidate. And I honestly think he probably should have won, even though Marcus Smart was a great defender and all, but I feel like uh, Mikel Bridges showed a little more this season, especially for a 65-plus win Suns team, who was by far the best regular season team. And I think that he was the main part of why that defense was so good. Yeah, but what 65 wins means for the Phoenix Suns is that... All 65 of those games, Mikhail Bridges was out there guarding the best player on offense for the other team. And Apart from, like, the games against Philly. Yeah, and he played all... I think he exactly. was one of the few players that actually played every game in a uh, pandemic-filled season. Here's another thing that I think you'll find interesting, but can you guess the top two players for plus-minus the entire season? Uh, Jason Tatum yep. and Mikkel Bridges. <laughs> yep, two for two. That's exactly right. So I definitely thought Mikael was gonna win DPOI, but Marcus Smart is great as well. Like I said before, he, he struggled in this series so far, and right now it sits at two two. Why do you think that is? I mean, obviously the Booker injury impacts that. But I also feel like this Pelicans team is actually starting, like we said with the Boston Celtics before, how uh, they started the season a little rough, but halfway through they came into their form. I think 
because this Pelicans team hasn't been healthy all this season. They started one and thirteen. They acquired CJ McCollum at the trade deadline, which is great for them. Yep, which is turning like looking like a really good trade right now, because CJ McCollum is really helping bring that playoff mentality because he obviously has been there a lot with uh, the Portland Trailblazers in the past, whereas. A lot of these other guys on the Pelicans... Like Brandon Ingram. It's his first playoff run. Yeah. And he's doing great, I oh, think. Yeah, he's outstanding. Same with the Celtics. Like I said, they're, fi- they're, they're finding their stride, and it just happens to be at the right time. And they're really one of the more dangerous lower seeds that we've seen in the past, or in, re- in the recent past, I feel like. Because... Do these wins feel fluky to you by the Pelicans? Oh, no. And the playoffs, it's all about, you know, getting hot at the right time. And they have shot makers. You can't, like, I'm not going to be surprised that down the stretch, CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram are coming through and making big shots. Yeah, and they're Pelicans. You have a very good case that they have two of the three best players in the series, especially with Booker out, like the other team should not be able to match your scoring if you have two guys that can get you a bucket at any time. Yeah, so we're seeing the Pelicans really start to uh, hit their stride right at the right time. And Herb Jones defensively is really bringing, like, I know Pelicans fans are probably screaming, we've been seeing this all year, but... They haven't had a lot of national media time, and so now that everyone gets to see Herb Jones, he's really standing out in the spotlight, and he's making the biggest imp- or one of the biggest impacts for them, their team on defense. And the way he went at Chris Paul uh, in Game 4, <laughs> it was fun to watch. How he did. I love to see that kind of mentality from him. All this being said, who do you pick in the series to win? It's 2-2. Yeah, it's 2-2. I feel like it's... I feel like I'm going to stick with the Suns. I think they're the more consistent team that we've seen all season. So you were just faking it all along? Talking about me with CJ and Ingram? Come on. No, I think it will go to 7 for sure. I think it's a 7-game series without Booker. I'm picking the Pelicans to win. But you and I both have witnessed the Suns in person this season, and we With saw... With Booker. Yeah, but I feel like that team, we they showed it when uh, that they're able to go without injury, or even with injury problems. That, that uh, team is still able to operate at a very high level when it all matters, too. I feel, I just trust uh, the Suns more in that Game 7 scenario than I do the Pelicans. Okay, we'll see what happens. Who do you have? I have the Pelicans. In how many? In seven games. Alright. So we'll stay tuned for that. Some of these other injuries to get to. Chris Middleton, he's out with an MCL tear, I believe. Uh, three to four weeks. And... It's a big loss for the Bucks, not necessarily in this round against the Bulls, but for future rounds. Against 
Boston. Yep, because Boston is more than likely coming up in this yep. next series. They're going to sweep the Nets. Yeah, pretty confident in that. I, I do think that if they're without Chris Middleton in uh, the next series against Boston, it could make it even more tough on them because that's already going to be a tough series without Chris Middleton for the Bucks. I mean, with Chris Middleton for the Bucks. I know we've, we've talked about Boston already, but Boston Bucks, it's kind of different. Who, who do you have in that series? I have the Bucks. I just, it's just the Giannis factor for me. We saw last year how he took over uh, the finals and really changed that series, and I just feel like he's going to do the same this year as long as he does not get injured. Which, he's very durable. Very durable. We saw him get injured last year and then come back. Apparently, he was playing through, what, a torn ACL, MCL? A slight tear, I believe. That's insane. Yeah. And Ben Simmons is out because of back soreness. <clears throat> yeah, we already we already went over the Ben Simmons <laughs> stuff. But quick notes on this Bucks Bulls series. I think you and I both think it'll be pretty quick here. We saw the Bulls take one game already, but it's three one as we're talking now. Um, I think that the Bull Bucks will close it out here For sure. in Game Five on their that's home what, court. That's what Giannis said. Post game, he said, we're going to close them out next game. Yep. And he sounded pretty confident, and I believe in the winning finals MVP, he can have a 50-piece whenever he wants because he can dunk the ball 25 times a game. Yeah. So, hopefully Middleton comes back soon for the Bucks' sake. No. For the Bucks' sake. Luka is the other guy I had here for the injuries. We saw him come back in game three. He's still hobbling around. Yeah, he's out there. Not at 100%, though. Definitely makes a difference. What, yeah, 30 and 10 hobbling around? I saw him hit a third quarter buzzer beater. Yeah. Which is terrible defense by the Jazz. Nobody picked him up. He was six seconds, no timeout, just walks up the full end of the court, injured, makes a layup. Yeah, the thing with Luka is he had such a high usage rate for that Mavericks team, uh, much like the James Harden Rockets teams, when James Harden would basically carry those teams and scoring assists, like basically did it all for them during his MVP days. And uh, Luka's doing that same thing for the Mavericks, and that's kind of why his absence is so big for them. Unless you unless you have think, games like this with for Jalen Brunson when like he stepped up here in the playoffs. Yeah, I do think Luca has a greater ability to make players around him better than James Harden does. I feel like that too, but we just it's just the usage rates are very similar. Yep. And if the Mavs can get keep getting good shots, you know, for everyone, they're they're gonna take the series, and I don't think anyone wants to play Luca in a playoff series. Yeah, we saw the Jazz able to tie it up, tie the series up 2-2 in Game 4 on that uh, Gobert alley-oop dunk from Mitchell. What did you think about that game, or did it change any of your thoughts on the series? I think it was just Mitchell was dribbling, and he saw the headline. He saw, he's, 
I know on players say that they, they don't pay attention to the media, but you know Mitchell read that report where it said that he only averages two passes to Gobert, and it just opened up. It was perfect. He threw it up there. Nobody expected it except Gobert, and threw it down. Won the game. I'm still picking Dallas to win the series, though, in six games. I don't even think it goes seven. So you think they're going to close them out in the next two games here? Yep. Yeah, I would like to see that. I hope Luca continues to look better, get to 100%, because I think that that Mavs team is really dangerous when Luca's at his best. And it's fun to watch that Mavs team, too. Because he's a superstar down the stretch, and we've seen Luca hit a bunch of buzzer beaters already. You do not want this man shooting the ball at the game on the line against your team. Like, that's just not a good bet for you. Looking at the other side of the conference here, one of the guys he was traded for in Trey Young is now down 3-1 to the Miami Heat. The Heat are looking pretty, pretty stable here. Pretty locked in even after that uh, fiasco on the sidelines a couple weeks ago. That seems like... That, that seems to have actually, you know, locked them in because I think they went on like a 12-game win streak. Yeah, and we've seen them really locked in here in the playoffs against one of the most dangerous uh, scorers in the league in Trey Young. Look, I, I don't think Trey Young's, you know, any worse than he was last year in the playoffs. I think he's doing the same exact things. I just think the Miami Heat are that much better than the New York Knicks. Yeah, and he came out and said himself after the game, that he hasn't been guarded this consistently since high school. And so he, even he's feeling the pressure from the, that the Miami Heat are putting on him. Bam's really looking, really uh, backing up his defensive play of the year talk. I know he didn't win it, and he wasn't going to win it because of the games missed. But he, he was really adamant about thinking that he should have won defensive player of the year. He's been really looking good in that uh, defense. And they're the one seed, you know? Yeah. And, yeah they're looking like, and they're looking like a one seed right now. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. So we both think that they'll close it out against the Hawks here. Yep. And, and beat Philly. Yeah, that's what I was going to get to. So the Philly Raptors, we both think Philly is going to take care of of business that is 3-1 right now yep at home yeah and so i think that philly will close it out in probably s seven six or seven i think because yeah joel the f the thumb injury for joel he needs surgery on it oh really yeah he has a torn that. ligament so but he has opted to do that after the playoffs. So he's going to play through it. Yep, he's going to play hand through is it. Do you know? His right hand. So he's shooting hand. Yep. All right. That's great. Now the Boston Celtics will have to play in order the Nets, the Bucks, and the Heat. Or is it just. So you think that the Heat will stay hot and roll through Philly next oh, yeah. series? For sure. Like James Harden. Is gonna look bad against Jimmy Waller. How bad was it when Kevin Durant came out in game one and got four turnovers in the first quarter? It's gonna be worse when Jimmy Waller is locking down James Harden and James Harden's trying to trying to do his moves with the arm hook and trying to draw foul calls and the refs are not buying it. 
because it's the playoffs. And you know Jimmy's going to be fired up to play against that Philly team. Yep. Little revenge. Jimmy Butler had the ball at the end of every game while he was there, and he came through. Like, we've seen him hit buzzer beaters for that team. And that's really what Philly's been lacking since Jimmy Butler's left, ironically. Yep. I don't know, maybe they found it with Joel just hitting a buzzer beater in Toronto. Yep, Joel's really just kind of put that team on his back, even with Harden. Because Harden has been just terrible. Yeah, he's been subpar according to Harden's statement. Oh, all I'm saying about Harden it, concert dates. Concert dates. That's it. 3 for 17, 4 for 17, 8 for 19. Like, bro, what? What are you doing? Mm. Yeah. That should be a fun series coming up here. If that, if Philly is able to take care of Toronto and if the Heat somehow, I mean, if the Heat are able to take care of Atlanta, which we both suspect is going to happen. Let's let's go to the Nuggets Golden State series here real quick. I mean, what is there to say? <laughs> a pool party. I don't, I don't like that phrase, but we we can go with it. Uh, Steph coming off the bench for Jordan Poole is just incredible. You know, I love to see it. It's not because Steph's injured; it's because Jordan Poole is better. And I know if you ask Jordan Poole this, he'd say no comment. But you heard it heard it here first. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's crazy that you're bringing a two-time MVP off the bench, still in his, still in his prime. He's definitely still in his prime. He just became the greatest three-point shooter of all time. Passing Ray Allen. In the first three games, they really exposed Jokic. I feel like, which is kind of funny because I feel like a couple years ago when they played the Jazz. They were really the first ones to expose Rudy Gobert back when everyone thought Rudy Gobert might be the greatest defensive player the world's ever seen. Which I don't even really think it's exposing anyone. It's just the entire season, you see these dudes drop and you see teams run coverages where the bigs are supposed to drop and then the playoffs happen and wait a second, you're falling back into old habits and Steph Curry's coming off going from 35 feet. You're nowhere near contesting that shot. And it's really difficult for them to keep up with Steph Curry because of his off-ball movement. And At because, least. Just because he's Steph Curry. Yeah. You know? And the Warriors offense, they have Clay, they have Draymond, like you said, Jordan Poole. They have Andrew Wiggins, he's a slasher. He guards the, their best player on offense, you know, the other team's best player on offense. Tries to slow him down. Yeah, and we've really seen this Nuggets roster. Just a really beat-up roster. I mean, there's nobody on their team. Like, Monte Morris, their point guard. They have Will Barton. Like, these are not starters, you know. Yeah, You'd we talk- love to see Jamal and Murray, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter in those roles. Yeah, we talked about Joel putting the 76ers on his back. Yeah, that's not even close to the extent Yoke just put these nuggets on his back. Yeah. And the usage rate is up there with Luka, which is crazy because he's a center. Yeah, but, well, he's he's a point center. Yeah, but it's crazy that it's a center that yeah. has that high of a usage rate. Yep, for sure. I think Jokic has already like, established himself as the greatest passing center of all time. I think there's no question about it. 
like this man is capable of incredible things and it's it's just sad that he's gonna probably be eliminated in the next game so you yeah i think they'll close it out here soon yeah. too do you think that the this warriors team is now a finals favorite now that uh with the injury to devin booker and kind of how we've seen the woes uh be able to handle memphis here in the first round so far um I I have to say, yeah, I think the Warriors are the favorite. Um, which is always barring injury, because at any point, a player could get injured. Yeah, and change <laughs> change the title favorite. Yeah, at any point, Giannis could get injured, and a <laughs> lot of people might have the Bucks winning. Yeah, there goes that. There's always the injury factor, you know. Yeah, but. If everything stays as is, this Warriors team is really looking dangerous right now. Being able to show their depth in the playoffs is crazy. By bringing Curry off the bench, like you said, Jordan Poole is... (laughs) They're legitimately three splash bros now. Yeah, and it was hard enough to guard two. It was extremely hard to guard two. And I had the Warriors making it to the finals before the Booker injury, so yeah, I'm going to stick with them. I think they're going to lose to the Celtics in the finals. And you mentioned the Splash Brothers, and one of those Splash Brothers, the one that we haven't brought up yet, is Clay Thompson, who's coming off two years of injuries in the Achilles and the ACL, hasn't played since the finals in 2019 versus Toronto. Um, he came back and answered all questions for me. I was watching him. He he can make the three still. You know his jump shot is what. It always looks good. And when I saw him take Jared Allen off the dribble and dunk on his head in his <laughs> first game back, I was great. You know, Clay's like looks great. I think they're all set. The Warriors are all set to make the finals. Yeah, I feel... Yeah, he came back early enough. He had that little lull at the near the end of the regular season, but right now he is looking great. Which and that that was the point. Of yeah, it's back, the, yeah, yeah, it's the best time. Like we said, with the Pelicans finding the right stride, with the Celtics finding the right stride, Clay Thompson's really finding his stride right when they want needed him to too. That's what ball clubs that have players that want to play do, you know. They ramp their players up before the playoffs. You can't just decide if you're going to play two days before game four in the NBA first round. At Ben Simmons. I'm so over this, bro. Yeah, so Warriors definitely dangerous going in the future. Uh, They'll be playing the winner of the Memphis... Grizzlies versus the Minnesota Timberwolves, mm-hmm. which we led with that we were able to go to a game four here this past Saturday. Very fun experience to see the Wolves be able to tie up the series at 2-2. Uh, what are some of the things that you've seen uh, in the series so far? The playing game and this first round series have sold me on Anthony Edwards, I think. I think he's a great player, honestly. I think he can shoot. I think he's got a strap. I think he's unguardable off the dribble virtually by most players in the league. We've all seen his dunk package. 
He has a great vertical. I think the only thing that will come with time is better decision making, and he needs to realize that he's the best player on that team on offense and take over. Yeah, you've definitely seen the flashes here, especially over the last few weeks in these big playoff games, playing games, scenarios, and like you, you nailed it with the uh, decision making part. He is a twenty-year-old, like super, super future superstar yep. talent. It's loading that. If he starts realizing some of the things he's able to do, he starts making those better shot selections. Like he is already saying after the games, he's taking bad shots. And that the only difference between when they're winning and losing is that when those bad shots are actually going in versus when they're not. So he's already realizing that he's taking them. Now he just needs to work towards not taking them on the court and I don't think that's just him, you know. I think the entire team has to work collectively to get good shots for your best player on offense. Yeah, I mean, that's probably been the biggest thing we've seen with the Wolves as a collective is their youth. And just Charles Barkley said it best that they've been playing stupid. Carl Anthony Towns needs to realize that it is a basketball game that he controls and not the referees. This man is a very smart dude, book smart guy, as I've heard. 4.0 GPA through high school and at Kentucky. So he's very intelligent, but I feel like his emotional awareness is very down and just like his game awareness is down. Like he knows the game by the book standards, but I feel like he needs to realize that not everything in life is going to go by the book. And especially in a basketball game, it's not going to go by the book because it's human nature to miss calls for referees. They're going to miss calls and you're not going to get every call because you're a 6'10 person and you're playing against on average 6'5 people. So everything you do is going to look demonstrative and you cannot lash out at the referees because it just makes you look bad i just really want to see carl anthony towns put his head down and play basketball without having to focus on what's going on with the refs and i feel like he could not like really come out and dominate the game i think what you said is perfect right there and i know what you're saying and you don't mean that from a point of view as shut up and play basketball you just mean stop whining because you're not getting a call and focus on the next position you know let's get back on defense make sure your team's not playing 4v5 with John Morant racing down trying to get a layup at the rim yeah do it at the right times like talk to the reps during timeouts or before games and after games you know go introduce yourself there's just so so many things which I think will just you know come with time for which is how it is for young teams it's how it was for the young Boston team, you know. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum weren't, weren't doing great, you know. They, they were playing stupid basketball as well. I just feel like this is what Towns is, though, because we've been saying it will come with time now for years. He's already 27 years old, and I don't think he's going to change the way he plays and 
sees the game because I definitely like, I feel like we all definitely feel like we want those calls so much, as much contact as he's taking. But that's he, just not. It's the, just part of the game. Yeah, that's not what you gotta focus on. You You're know? not a guard. He's playing like he's a guard. And a guard would probably get that contact call, but you're not a guard. Joel Embiid takes a lot of contact when he's down in the paint. And you, what do you see him do? He turns well, dunks on their head. We we see that in their physique, you know. Joel yeah, and we've seen Carl Anthony Towns' ability to do that too. As like even in the series, like when he came out in Game Four right away, and. Tried to dunk that on Jaron Jackson Jr. again. Yep. We knew that we were going to get this this Carl Anthony Towns tonight. Now what we need is Carl Anthony Towns to be able... To do that every night. Not only every night, but every quarter consistently. Because we, especially during that game three, we saw, we saw them score 30-plus points in the first quarter, 12 points in the second quarter. And then 30-plus points in the third quarter again. And then 12 points in the fourth quarter. Ended up blowing two 25-point leads separately in that game. And it was just unbelievable to watch. Carl Anthony Towns having more fouls than shot attempts. His worst game of basketball he's played as a professional, for sure. And it was just good to see him come out in the right mindset this game like we saw him do in the playing game when he similarly had a poor game in the playing game against the Clippers and then heard all the talk and came out and shut people up Mm -hmm. and then he sort of let his foot off the gas we just need him to stop letting his foot off the gas I feel like we just need every game no matter what he does we just need to play the Clips, like, he had the worst game of his career. Well, that game, it was better after he got fouled up because the team was, you know, they calmed down, started moving the ball, and Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell took over and made a big shot. I'm glad that you brought up D'Angelo Russell because kind of like Towns, he also hasn't really came to play yet in the series. He just needs to come to play for the first three quarters, like... I don't, I don't get if he just does this. So his stats look better in the fourth, but he's way better in every fourth quarter I see him in than he is for the rest of the game, which is crazy, because he's clearly showing us that he can do this. Yeah, and we saw during the regular season he was able to average crazy numbers against this team in particular, the best numbers he's averaged in against any team this year, and. It was the one of the biggest things we thought we were gonna see in this series, and the Grizzlies really came out and shut shut him down. But a big part of that is the fact that they got Dylan Brooks back. Uh, he was he's been uh, a big help for clamping up D'Lo. He's just a dog, you know. He's not gonna give up. He thinks he's the best player on the floor every possession. Yeah, and we've, we've like, seen him do this to Luca, like. Dylan Brooks is good, good on defense. Like he's got that similar mentality to Anthony Edwards. Like, all right, let me take over. Like that shot's going in. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I shot Perfect. it. Yep. Just very confident in himself. And as we saw in Game Four, one of 
their deadliest weapons is Desmond Bain. I think he's really stepped up here. Would you would you say that he's their second best player? I think he's debatably their first best player. He's definitely their best shooter. I think the amount of muscle this man has makes him amazing on defense. Yeah. And that's a two-way guy that can, what, shoot six for seven from deep? Like, we saw this man not miss more than five shots during pregame, during the game, during halftime, and then in the second half. He was... It was astonishing. Yeah, Desmond Bain is a problem for the Wolves, for sure. For the NBA, really. Like, I don't think anybody can lock this man up. But Yeah, we talked about Jay Crowder being a, one of those 3 and D-type players. Uh, but Desmond Bain is probably a better... Or definitely a better version of that. Didn't... Weren't you telling me that Ja gave him his trophy? Yep, Ja got... Voted most improved and left left his trophy in the kitchen in Desmond Bain's kitchen for him because all year he's been promoting Desmond Bain for most improved player, most improved player, and John Moran ends up winning it. And I I think it should have been Desmond Bain. Like it's just this man is a bucket. He's a certified bucket, and there's no question about it. I think you can ask any NBA player in the league, and they will. And the other fun thing that we've seen in this series so far that we knew was going to be fun coming in because these two teams are the top two scoring teams in the league and they're and the way that they play basketball is just kind of is very similar and flows very well in the court when there's not all this fouling going on of course but it's very fast paced fun basketball lots of threes crashing the boards good defense really been a fun series to watch and it's been living up to it now that it's 2-2. Yep. What do you have winning? I've got the Grizzlies pulling it out in seven. Wolves in six! Wolves in six! Wolves in six! No, but I'll pick the Wolves to win in seven games. You really... I think that the only way that they win a seventh game, game seven, is if they... Like shoot twenty, make twenty threes in a game in game seven or some lucky way. All right, let's hope they do that. I mean, I'd be surprised, but I guess it's possible to get hot, especially. We have not seen game seven Anthony Edwards yet. That could be crazy, especially going forward. Like, it's kind of crazy what we're expecting from him this year. I mean, when. Patrick Beverly comes out and compares you to Michael, Michael Jordan. Jordan. You gotta do some something level up at least, you know? Yeah, but if he's got all this expectation right now and he's somewhat kind of living up to it in this first year, it's kind of scary what it could become five years down the road like we saw like we were talking about how Tatum grew. I mean they're very similar, you know, their play styles off the dribble can shoot virtually any shot you want, you know, because you're tall enough to get it off and get the separation with your ball handling. And you're basically unguardable when you go to the hoop because they either have to follow you or you're dunking on them. Yeah, and we were talking about most improved player earlier. I'm not saying, uh, I'm not going to say Edwards is most improved player uh, candidate or anything, but the improvement that we saw from him from last season, his rookie year, to this year, 
it was kind of just like the shot off the dribble last year. You kind of were not, you Honestly, really were not expecting it to drop as much as you are now. Like now, when he shoots every single three, I, I wanted to fall. I'm expecting it to go in. And I honestly think he's made a bigger leap than Lamelo Ball did in their freshman to sophomore year. Yeah, I feel like Lamelo is more of a polished product, though. And so there's not—I mean, there's room for improvement, but it's not going to be as visual Quite, as yeah. what Edwards' improvement is going to be because he was just such a raw talent with not a lot of basketball IQ. Whereas Lamelo, we saw had just some of the best, some of the best IQ we saw from a point guard, not, I mean, not only a like, rookie point guard last year, but no, like from Chino Hills, you know, he's just that's just always who he's been. Yeah, but they're not really comparable talents, I feel like anymore. But so, if my math serves me correct, you've got Boston, Bucks, Philly. Miami in the East. And you have all those teams as well, right? Yeah, I do. And then in the West, you have the Pelicans stunning the Suns in the first round. Yep. You have the Wolves stunning the Grizzlies in the first round. Yep. Then you have the Warriors finishing business and the Mavericks closing it out in these next two games. Yep. What about you? Well, well, I've got the Suns. I think the Suns will. In seven? Yep. Suns, Warriors, Grizzlies, and then I think that the Mavericks will close it out as well. But it will be a fun time here coming up. The second round is always fun. It's probably the best round that we have in the playoffs because you get really good basketball and you get four games of it. Four matchups. Yep, four matchups. So it will... It's coming up here. Oh, before we go, who was your finals pick? I think I'm sticking with the Bucks. And right now, it could change by next time we talk. But I'm gonna stay with Bucks this man and is Suns. On, write that down. I'm, I'm trying to, to run from accountability. No, I'm going to Bucks and Bucks and Suns. Right and now, then you have the Bucks winning. So a repeat, basically. Yeah. Well, I had the Suns winning before the deep book injury. Well, I think he's going to be back by the finals. Yeah, but I don't think he'll be. 100%. Yeah. That's your late. How about you? You've got the Warriors and the, Warriors the Celtics. And the Celtics, and I have the Celtics winning in seven. It's not a bad pick at all. It's not a bad pick at all. I believe that's the betting favorite right now in Vegas. No. Great. Mm-hmm. But would you like to add anything else before we head out? Jason Tatum, finals MVP. Write that down. We'll have to uh, get some predictions in here coming up soon. But thank you all for joining us. And if you want to get on Write That Down, just hit us up on Calling, download the app, and find the Tip Off podcast. You can hop on there live and make live predictions with us. Or you can uh, tweet predictions at me. You can tweet me at Simon is tweeting. Or you can tweet Arnav at Arnav Singh. That's A-A-R-N-A-V-S-I-N-H-G-H-H. And we'd love to hear some predictions from you guys. So enjoy your week. And we'll see you next week.